Hey everybody, this is Townsend. I'm a singer, songwriter, musician, and mental health advocate. I started the You're Not Alone project and podcast to help educate, spread awareness, and simply help you feel a little less alone, no matter what you're going through. Thanks so much for tuning in to season two of You're Not Alone with Townsend, and I hope you enjoy. What is up, everybody? I'm so excited. So on this episode of You're Not Alone with Townsend, we've got a special guest with us. Ironically enough, Small World, we found out that we are from the same area and actually heard about her through some friends of mine, looked up her story, and our families and friends go way back. So we have like the same crew, but I did not know that previous to this conversation. So I'm so honored and just excited to share your story. So basically... I've shared the story of the journey through cancer, and I've shared the story from a male's point of view of losing a spouse battling with cancer, and I decided I wanted to share a female's point of view. I feel like it's something that goes without much attention, and I feel like they need just as much attention as the patient does going through that journey. I can only imagine how tough it is. So anyway, I've invited Miss Lauren Moore to join us, and I'm so excited. Lauren, thank you so, so much for joining us and taking time to chat about your story. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to do this. Absolutely. So I guess we'll just hop right in. So who the heck is Lauren Moore? Um, give us like where you're located, okay. uh, your job title, a little bit about, about yourself. Yeah. So um, I'm Lauren Moore now. I um, grew up in a small town. Southeast Arkansas, um, Stuttgart, um, and I am currently a nurse practitioner at Mid-Delta Health Systems. Um, They just opened a new clinic in Stuttgart, so I am getting to work back in my hometown and kind of give back to this community, which is exciting, Um, and, you know, went to Fayetteville for college at the U of A, then went to nursing school at UAMS, and um, you know, I started dating my um, late husband probably around my uh, junior year of college. And so after we got married and after I finished nursing school, I did live in Whitehall. And then I am um, remarried now. And that has brought me back to my hometown. So all Stuttgart. So you get to treat all the farmers down there. Heck yeah. That's it. All all the everybody's, you know, that is it. It's funny, uh, you know, when you're in a small town and and my mom has always said, you can call the wrong number and still get the right one. That's it. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> literally. Everybody knows everybody's business. When I think of Stuttgart, I automatically think rice and duck. Yeah, for sure. That's it, girl. Like, literally yeah, it. And then it. Max Prayer Wings, of course. Absolutely. You know, that's how my dad uh, farms. And then when he's not farming, we have a hunting service. So we are... All those things. Literally, you are truly Stuttgart. I love that so yeah. much. I love yeah, it. It is crazy to me. So if you don't mind me asking, what's your age? I am 32. I'll be 33 um, in April. So. Okay. Oh my goodness. We have similar birthdays. Okay. So it is wild to me. And maybe this is just because we're getting old, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I'm just going to go with we're super young and fresh and hip. Right. Yeah. But yes, it is why. Yes. Always fresh. Girl. <laughs> Doesn't matter what age we are we will age like fine wine. So it, it it's crazy to me to hear you say my late husband, because when I hear that, I think, oh, 70s, 80s, 90 years old, right? I think 30s, 20s. No, and I was um, 29 wow. when he passed away. And so I never dreamed 
that I would, you know, be doing a cancer journey before 30, but also, you know, burying a spouse before I'm 30. Yeah. Um, which, which, you know, it was, it was tough. It was, it was not, it was not easy. And that's what I sit back and I think now too, uh, you know, being 29 and I think, you know, what I should have been doing. Yeah. You know, fun, of, living life, yeah, traveling the world. Instead of, instead of, you know, having to worry about, you know, a plot at the cemetery and what kind of plot I wanted. And if, you know, at that time, I didn't know what the future held. And so I remember after he passed away, uh, I went out to the cemetery to pick a plot. And I was like, my dad went with me since he, I, he, I don't know. I took my dad with me sure, um, sure. because he farms and like, I, I thought maybe he would have an opinion about the, about the ground. I, I don't know. So this this uh, grass looks good. But, you know, then I, I went out with, there with him like two days in a row and like we'd just walk around and I'd be like, well, this is too close to the road. And this one, if I came out here, I feel like I'd have to walk too far. And this area looks like it holds water. And, you know, and, and it was, it was crazy. The stuff I was thinking of. And then I was like, well, do I get a plot for myself? Do like, you know, I was 29 and it was one of those things where it's like, okay, when I get a headstone, do I put, do I get a double headstone? And because I, I, I remember in that moment, I couldn't think past that moment, but I also, had to be realistic in me being 29 and being like the livelihood of me getting married again it is higher because I'm so young. And I remember thinking like, I want the option. I want to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to these conversations. It truly means so much. We've changed so many lives for the better and we want to continue doing so throughout 2023. This project is made possible by sponsors and patrons. So if you'd like to help keep the You're Not Alone project going and hearing these amazing stories, we would love for you to join the family at patreon.com slash Townsend T Music. Just for signing up, you'll get free merch, discounts, and behind-the-scenes patron-only footage, not only of my music, but of each episode. That's right, so each guest on every episode answers a few more questions that only patrons will be able to watch and listen to. So head on over to patreon.com slash Townsend Team Music and let's continue changing lives. To be buried next to him, but I can't say that that's for sure where I'm going to end up being buried. And so it was just, it was such like a, you know, it was such a, a crazy thing. And I think it even kind of like, like it even took, my parents are back, like, because I was asking them questions that they didn't have answers to either, that they had never experienced. And there were very few people around that I could even call on that had experienced a similar circumstance at all whatsoever. Wow. I bet. Yeah, absolutely. I, those are just like that. Those are instances I've not thought about myself and I'm hoping I don't have mm -hmm. to think about for a while. And yeah. so it's just wild to be 29, 28, 27, thinking about this journey. Let me ask you this from a personal standpoint. So the reason that the You're Not Alone project got started was something similar, like the grieving situation. And right. I just felt like 
my situation. I was so young when I had such a traumatic instance, none of my friends could relate. And so I I felt very isolated. And I don't mean that negatively towards friends or family. They just Mm -hmm. didn't know what to say. They didn't know how to relate. And so where I was grieving and had this huge loss, my other friends were just out doing their, what other 20 year olds Mm -hmm. do, you know? So it's very weird. It was almost like a disassociation with everyone. Did you find yourself in that position? So when, so, which this is crazy. So when he was first diagnosed, I was 26. He was 33. Um, We had just been married for a year. It was just a couple months after our one year anniversary. And I remember that because I remember these weird symptoms starting around our one year anniversary. And that's kind of how I like can, that's how I kind of like knew the timeline. Um, I remember me just like feeling like him experiencing some symptoms and me just like feeling like something was not right, but he being like, Oh, I, food's just getting hung. Like I just am having like reflux issues, you know, stuff like that, like blowing it off, blowing it off, blowing it off. And when he was diagnosed, the initial thing was good PET scan report. You don't have any spots anywhere else. Here's what treatment's going to look like. You're going to do, you know, 10 chemotherapies weekly and you're going to do 25 radiation treatments you know so every single day during the week so five weeks of radiation we're going to repeat a pet you're going to have surgery and remove it and and this will be all in the rearview mirror Um, and that is that's not how it ended up being but those those first 10 weeks I remember after he was diagnosed my mom well first of all when he had the scope and they found the mass I was there. Um, it was just me and my husband that went and I was sitting there in the waiting room and my mom walks in and I was like, what are you doing here? And she was like, I just had a feeling that you didn't need to be here alone. Wow. Women's so, intuition. Yeah. She got up that morning and drove to litter off and came and sat with me in the waiting room. And I'm so thankful she did because I, I did not even, you know, imagine the news that we were about to get. And I remember that that day um, we drove back to our house in Whitehall and my mom followed me. And when we got there, I remember me and her going on a walk and her, she, you know, is such a faith-filled woman. And uh, she was just like, you know, I just have a feeling it's going to be okay. Like, it's going to be okay. But it's, you know, me and her, with the stuff that we've done, we work so well together because she has these ideas that are like out here. And I'm the one that's like, okay, but how do we get to that? <laughs> yeah. You know, but I'm the realistic one. And I remember I on a walk and I looked at her and I said, but what if it's not? Wow. And she was just kind of, you know, she didn't have an answer. When um, she got home that, that day, she knew that if she could keep mine and Stringer's spirits lifted, if she could keep me going, I could keep him going. Yeah. And so she had done this previously um, with, some other people who had been sick. And so she sent a message out to a group of my friends and a group of her friends. And um, what's, you know, what's another just kind of way I was brought up is my parents. I was one of the first kids out of their friend group. And so a lot of their really close friends would come over to our house on Sunday afternoons when I was a baby and we'd eat pizza, you know? So like Mm -hmm. I have a group of these these couples around my parents' age that are like another set of parents for me. And so she contacted a lot of them, contacted a lot of my really, really close friends. And um, she assigned them a date. And 
they, so I would get something in the mail oh. every so many days. And she said it does, it can be a card. It can be, you know, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be anything big. It could just be a written note. We would get, you know, gift cards to go out to eat in Little Rock. We would get little pick-me-ups, little fun things, you know, just different, all kinds of different stuff. Um, and it was something that I tell people all the time, like, especially during the time of COVID, you know, people struggling with a illness like cancer where you're immunocompromised, you are so isolated because of your immune system that a lot of times the only connection you have to the outside world is your mailbox. And so I would, you know, I would get so excited getting the mail and like that kind of stuff. And so that is kind of what started our, um, you know, our 501c3 Pass on Joy where we have a list of cancer patients and we send them something in the mail once a month. So they get like a little happy because that is such a thing with, you know, chronic illnesses, you know, treatment has come so far. So you have these people living with cancer for such yeah, a long amount of time. Right. And it can be very isolating because even though they might look normal and might be tolerating treatment and getting good scans, the treatment still sucks and they're still yeah. tired. And they're still immunocompromised and there are still things that come up that work that, you know, you're worried about. Um, And so it can be really, really isolating. And so that was really, that was really helpful for me. But, you know, as the journey continued, you know, almost four years, it got to where, you know, the people you would pull from became fewer and fewer, you know, and then Stringer would do really good. And then he'd have like a lull and be sick and he'd do really good and have to have a lull. And so we would be, you know, in and out of the hospital sometime, or he would be sick and I wouldn't want to leave him at home. And so we would be invited to things and I'd have to miss them and we wouldn't be able to go. And then you notice those invitations to things start getting less and less because people are like, well, I don't want to make them feel like they have to come. I don't want to add more stress when really like I would prefer to be invited and make the choice myself. Then to not to feel not included, you know, I know that I talked to you earlier about how my now husband, you know, his wife passed and that's something me and him talk about because now, you know, we're in this age group where a lot of people, you know, they have their friend groups because it's the people that have kids, you know, kids the same age. And we talk about how with our spouses, we went through a time period where we were really isolated and we couldn't like build these relationships with different people because we were so focused on caring for our spouse. And so, you know, it just, it does create this like weird, this weird thing where it's like, you know, during the time period of my life when I should have been going on couple trips and, you know, having fun with other couples before they have kids and doing fun things on the weekend. I was at home caring for a spouse that was really sick, but I will say that I have a a really close group of friends that we all went to high school together and we stayed really close. Kind of like, I feel like you and Casey Joe, you know, and um, they stayed really loyal to me and would, you know, I never had to, you know, they, they were the ones that really stayed with me. And they were also the ones that, um, when he was in the hospital for so long, were coming. And, you know, the week that we knew that he was dying, they came um, to the hospital and they, they spent the night 
in the consult room on blow up mattresses on, and they were kind of a hedge of protection for me. One of them asked me one day, I think it was the day he passed away. It's all such a blur, but, um, you know, I remember after he passed away and, uh, I went back out into the waiting room while they were doing some stuff or into the consult room. And one of my friends said, you know, have you thought of what you're going to wear to the funeral? And uh, yeah. And I was like, no, you know, I know I'll I'll have, I'm sure I have something in my closet that I can get. And she was like, well, um, we went to Dillard's and we have a lot of selections. And um, then, you know, it was January and I didn't have any closed toe like pumps or anything. And so they went to Dillard's and they bought me the same pair of of pumps, closed toe pumps in tan, navy and black. Oh, and then like the next day, um, I remember trying on the dresses and being like, I think I need a different size. They drove to Little Rock, they switched the size, They, they changed the size. Like, I mean, and then I had you know, one of my other friends, she came down and washed my hair for me. And I mean, it was just like that group. And I will also say probably, um, the last year and a half of Stringer's life, we had started going to a counselor that we were put in contact with through CARTA. At the time, CARTA was doing a program. Um, it was as a grant they had, and you could get three um, sessions with this counselor. And our oncologist recommended it because Stringer was really struggling at that point, being this big athlete and losing so much weight and not being able to, you know, do the things he used to do. And she recommended us going to to this lady before we did, before we tried any different medications, that kind of thing. It ended up being like the best thing that we did. Um, We started going like routinely and she brought up topics that we really hadn't wanted to discuss because we both felt uncomfortable discussing them, like, like death. And let me, let me interrupt you before we go further. What, what exactly was Stringer's diagnosis for people that don't Um, know? Yeah. So we had esophageal cancer. Okay. So adenocarcinoma, the esophageal, the GE junction, um, very rare for someone at 33 who right. didn't drink, didn't smoke, took care of himself um, to get. And okay. it's one that by the time you have symptoms, it's pretty advanced. Um, so his, he didn't have any metastasis at the time of diagnosis, but the tumor had um, almost grown completely outside of the esophagus. Wow. Um, so, so that's what kind of catapulted him into the stage three um diagnosis you know at when he was when it was found yeah so the esophagus for people that don't know in layman terms esophagus basically is your throat so your larynx your pharynx yeah so it's the tube see so it's the tube that runs um from your throat down to your stomach right and it um where his cancer was was right where the esophagus connects to the stomach wow okay um so it was right there in that in that spot, which would explain why his symptoms were stuff getting hung, you know, not being like able to reflux not, type things. Yes. And and then he would throw up and it would be like undigested food. It wouldn't be wow. food that had been in his stomach because it couldn't get there. Wow. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And um, you know, there there are people there are people that have Barrett's esophagus, which can predispose you to esophageal cancer, but he didn't have that. He didn't have, you know, they did all this genetic testing. It was, you know, sometimes 
there's just I, life, I, I say, life know, ain't fair. Yeah. And I always say, you know, I blame it on Adam and Eve and the apple and, you know, the four man, you know, it's just. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we laugh about it, but literally sometimes life just ain't fair. You know, it is, it no, is what it is. Not, and, I, and, and that's the one thing. It's like, I'm not going to be the one to sit here and say like, Oh, everything happens for a reason. Like, I don't believe that my husband got cancer to die. So someone else would be better. Like, I just, yeah. I just can't, I just can't like, that just stings a little to me. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think things happen and it, you know, it's what we choose to do with it. Absolutely. You yeah. know. Um, yeah. What, what you do with that, you can either be down in the dumps and spend the rest of your life dwelling and grieving and wondering yeah, why and that, me. Yeah. And it was, it was one of those things where I was like, uh, he would be so mad at me. Yeah. Right. Was like was here on just wallering, you know yeah. I mean? He was the one that like was getting up, going to work, like, you know, by God, I'm, I'm dragging this feeding tube to the basketball oh. game and I'm, I'm on the bench in pain, but by God, I was there. I love you know, it. I and love I know, it. I know some people were like, his wife is nuts. Why <laughs> should you not drag him off this court? And it was kind of one of those things where I was like, this is what's keeping him alive, y'all. Exactly. That's <laughs> what he wants to do. Well, speaking of that, so you've been super open about your journey on social media, which mm-hmm. I have had people, they're the ones that told me to reach out to you. And they oh, said really? how much they loved keeping up with yeah. your journey and how open you were. Cause the people that yeah. can't keep in contact mm-hmm. necessarily daily, right? Yeah. So what, what made you make the choice to be so open cool. and vulnerable? So it started, it started off with it just being an easy way to update and to get information. Yeah. Out. Um, and also it's like, we needed all the prayers we could get, That's you know, and if this is, and if this is how I can do it, I can do it. But then it also turned, it turned into what it did because when he was diagnosed, I was searching for somebody like me. I, mm-hmm. I wanted, I wanted there to be somebody, you know, I was on the internet searching for, for anything yeah. of the sort that someone had, you know, gone through a similar circumstance and esophageal cancer is not common. Um, so there was hardly anybody out there and anybody out there, the story was so grim. It was like, they, 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 you know, they suffered and died. And I was like, I can't do it. But then also it was, um, but then it kind of turned into people wanted, people were genuinely interested in how he was doing. And I think everybody loves to cheer for somebody like Stringer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, didn't complain, didn't waller, kept doing what he was doing. And it, it was almost like, uh, I felt like there was a need and I felt like there was a need for someone to tell the real story. Whereas like, I think sometimes people are scared to sound negative or sound down and, and don't get me wrong. Like there is there are people that are pessimistic and, you know, everything's bad, everything's horrible, but there's a difference in being real, being realistic and being negative. And I think what drew people to like our story and what I would write is because it was really realistic. Like I, I didn't sugarcoat a whole lot. Um, and I, you know, that's what, when we were putting a flyer out one time, um, someone like designed this flyer for a cancer patient and it, it had cancer patient on it. And um, they sent it to my mom and it had this like cancer patient, like 
outside like throwing a frisbee. Yeah. And my mom was like, this is, this is not, this is not. <laughs> where's the no. feeding tube? Where's, right. where's like, the IV like, bag? Like the real cancer patient is the one that's pooping their pants on the way yeah. home from chemo. Like, right. The one laying know, in like, bed like, feeling sick. Yeah. 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 Like that. That's the real cancer patient. The real cancer patient is, mm. is, you know, the one, you know, laying in bed, not being able to get up and, and pushing themselves to get dressed, getting a, yeah. out of breath, getting their clothes on in the morning. You know, like the, the cancer patient is the one who's hooking up this bag of food at night so he can get his nutrition while he's asleep. Like yeah. that is the real, the, the real cancer patient is not the one out there throwing a freaking Frisbee and yeah. swimming and then doing all kinds of, I mean, no, absolutely not. Like, I mean, and that, that's the thing that you need to show people the real thing. Absolutely. You, know? you were, you were talking about how you got on, you were looking for, for support during this time. Mm-hmm. What did you find support look like for spouses during this? So let me, let me preface that with, again, I feel like I've gotten the story of the cancer journey, but the spouse with the cancer journey, like you just kind of got, get forgotten about is the best way to word it Uh, you need just as much counseling absolutely well it was more like um I think it's like did you find that support group I guess is the best way to word it not really yeah Uh, because I think as the spouse and as like the caregiver you see like I've said before you see the real side of everything right you know the real side and it's like I might have a sore throat, but you had chemo yesterday and I don't feel like I ever, and and maybe I didn't find the support group in the, because I didn't allow myself because I I felt like whatever he was going through was far worse than anything that I was going through. And, um, but you know, there would be, there would be days where we would get into an argument and it would be a valid argument. And at the end of the argument, I would leave feeling like the worst person in the world because I just got mad at my husband with terminal cancer over something silly, you know, but it, it was a valid argument, you know, and and so life, so it gets, yes. And so it gets to where it, it, it's really hard to take the time that you need for yourself because you don't feel like you deserve it. You feel like they're, you know, they're doing something harder and, um, you know, people, people are focused on, on the person. I can can imagine. So a lot of times, you know, you go through this and it lasts a few months and you can handle that, but you know, you're talking about years. Some people spend 10 years, 20 years, their lifetime. And so, putting your self-care on the back burner for years at a time starts to build up. So right. Well, and, and there was, there was another part of it too, was, uh, something that I like internalized a lot was I would, you know, and I, and at this time I worked in the ER at Children's. And so like, I really like dove into that, like oncology community because these oncology parents, just like me being like an oncology spouse, it's like, you're very particular about how things are done because you're so aware of the risk of infection. And so it's like, if I told them, you know, like my husband's going through cancer treatments right now, you, you, you built this rapport, but then also in the ER, you get people misusing the ER. 
And I remember, you know, I'd get yelled at, I'd get, because what they see is they see this, you know, 27 year old little girl who she's never gone through anything. She's not going through anything. She's not, you know, and I still get that like now where like when I talk to my, some of my patients that don't know my story and I, and they're, they're struggling with something and I'm, you know, I get it. I get it. And, and it's like people people are so reluctant. No, you don't. Right. And I want to be like, no, like I have a dead husband. Like I get it. No, like I picked a plot out and it was a <laughs> yeah, deal. Like, you want to hear it? I've done, like I've done this. Yes. I know I'm only 32, but like I've done this. Wow. You know, yeah. which, is, which is, um, which is something that I feel like is, you know, it, it, it's, it's changed my perspective on things. It sounds like self-care kind of got put on the back burner, which is understandable. And again, why we're ha- having this conversation. What does self-care look like for you now? You know, the best part is, is I talked about this group of friends and I talked to, I've talked about my mom um, and my sisters. And when you see someone that you know is like neglecting self-care, yeah. sometimes you can't like reach out and say like, what can I do? What can I, what, what do you need? Um, how can we help you? Um, because if you give them the option to do something, they're going to say no. Yeah. They can't leave. They can't do this. They can't do that. Well, um, for my 28th birthday, I think 27th or 28th, um, the week of my birthday, my mom texted my group of friends and said, hey, um, which she partially thought they would say like, oh, no, it's too short. notice, we can't do it. Texted my group of friends and said, hey, um, so do you want to go to New York for Lauren's birthday? And this is, this is the type of group of friends I have. And, you know, they all had jobs. One of them, you know, I mean, they all had jobs. They all had lives. Yeah. They text me. They were like, yeah, we've got uh, airline points. Like, let's do it. Mom books all these plane tickets before we even have a place to stay. She hadn't even yeah. booked a hotel yet. Like, we're and, going. Yeah. The day before we're supposed to leave, the day before we're leaving, she, I'm, I'm working on my nurse practitioner um, degree at that time. So I'm doing clinical here in town. And she shows up and she has this like poem and it's basically telling me like, you have no choice. Yeah. I've already talked to Stringer. Like everybody knows, like oh. pack your stuff, get on the plane. Um, and, and so that is, is something that I think, you know, just like friends of people that are going through something, yeah. just do it. Yeah. You know, and I will, I love that idea of the letters in the mail. Love that. Now, let me tell you this. If my family showed up and was like, your bags are packed, we're going out of state, I would donkey stomp them in the nose. Like that legit <laughs> sounds like the worst thing ever. Um, anxiety and I don't get along. And that sounds oh, terrible. No, my, mom, my mom will tell you that like, I'm a planner. Me and so too. When, like, I, I was literally like, we don't no, know. No, I got to know like the time we get there. Like I need to yeah. know all the deets. Oh yes. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I totally get it. Cause I am. But send me a letter, girl. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> I just um, but but oh, I, I love that. that. I love I that suggestion. Now, um, and my mom will say that I'm, and, and I, I know I am a completely different person than I was. Oh, well, yeah. My mom will say that, um, cause I'm very intense, very high strung, like, um, but now I just don't let things bother me as much. Like I just, and so that's self-care in itself where it's like, I just, I'm less bothered by little things because I know I've been through the big thing. The worst. Yeah. Um, but even though I've been through something, I'm not, a. it doesn't make me good at doing self-care. You know, um, I remember I called my mom one day and I was 
talking about how stressed out I was about, you know, different things. And she was like, but Lauren, your life right now is so much less stressful than when it was when Stringer was dying. And I, and I was kind of like, yes, you're right. (laughs) But that doesn't mean I can't ever be stressed out again. (laughs) Mother, listen, I'm stressed. And that's the thing, like I can, I'm I'm way less likely to get bothered by little things, but like, I still get upset about little things because I'm human. Right. Uh, And you're 32. Yeah. I will say something that was, that I really, that was really helpful, especially after he passed away. And it was really hard for me, for me to be at my house by myself was um, getting outside and walking. So even, even now that's something that I, something about being outside Mm -hmm. and doing something that's like a mindless task you know, it is so good for me mentally, just that, just taking that, that brief period of time to just be with myself. And that's something that, um, you know, when I'm not making time for that, I can tell, Yeah. you know, it's something that, you know, I, you know, I was, you know, working in Litterock and driving back and forth to Stuttgart, which is essentially, I was two and a half hours in the car a day. And so I didn't have time. And that was one of the reasons that really made me leap for this other job was because I, I wasn't able to do, you know, the things that I, that I do to take care of myself, um, which is, you know, stuff like that. And the Christmas after Stringer passed away, it was the first Christmas, I, um, handmade almost every Christmas decoration in my house. Wow. That <laughs> like, also sounds awful. <laughs> I have decided. I Your have self-care decided, and my self-care, girl. I have decided that if you give me a glue gun, a hot glue gun, I am unstoppable. Love it. I, you know, I could do anything with a hot glue gun. I've recently purchased a wireless one. Girl, you are wild. It's, it's kind of like, like that perfect. duct tape. Mm-hmm. Unstoppable. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because my husband now, he came with triplets. And it's so funny because when they break something, they now come up to me and they're like, can't you hot glue this? Yeah. I literally... I'm literally not going to lie. I thought you were going to say my husband now came with a hot glue gun. And I thought, well, (laughs) that worked perfect. Okay. That was Um, a weird story. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's, it's, they, they've seen me hot glue so much. I love it. Now it's like, they break something. Like, Can you hot glue this? (laughs) I'm not sure. We might melt it, but we'll give it a try. (laughs) I love it. Okay. What do you wish you knew now? Well, let me rework. Let me, what do you wish you knew then that you know now? Looking back at the 27 naive little Lauren. Yeah. That I would, I would, I would end up being okay. Um, I, I think that's, I think it's that I would be okay. That I would, that this sure. is going to be really tough, but you're going to be okay. Um, but also, you know, it's really hard because hindsight is 2020, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think if I knew any, if I, if I was able to tell myself something or if I knew anything, I wouldn't tell myself, or if I was able to tell myself, I wouldn't tell myself anything because who I was then is the reason why I approached Stringer's diagnosis yeah. the way I did. I mean, I was maybe pet pit bull. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, you the know, and the China stuff. You just headstrong. Like, uh, yes. It's like, I was one of those people where like I was stopping at nothing to get him the care that he deserved and the care that he needed. And, you know, when he, when he fell short and I saw him kind of letting up, 
it was almost like I just tied him around my waist and I just like dug in deep and just like, you know, mustered up the energy that he didn't have. Yeah. And, um, you know, cause I, cause I do, I think back and I'm like, you know, we did all this treatment and he, we did all these procedures and, and we did all these crazy, you know, yes, we did all the modern med- medicine stuff, yeah. but I also had him eat beetles at one point because that, that was supposed to help. Hey, whatever. You I know, laugh, but I do this. I, I mean, his feeding tube had turned orange because I was pushing so much turmeric in it. Okay. So like, you know, and, and I remember after he died, I was like, we did all that, but for the same outcome, Yeah. you know, and it's like, so, so, you know, if, if I knew the end result, if I knew something else, I maybe wouldn't have pushed him to do as much as he did, but that gave me the, that gave us the extra time. Yeah. Oh, he appreciated it. I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. And, um, that, you know, going through all that and doing what we did, it's, it's the person I am now. Yeah. And I wouldn't change that. I love that. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're crazy busy, but I appreciate you sharing your story. I know it's vulnerable. You yes, handle it like a champ. Amazing. You've come okay. so, so far and I appreciate you sharing it. Definitely with have. It's been a, it's been a crazy ride. And so, you know, that's the other thing. I think another thing I tell young Lauren is to hang on. Tight. It's going <laughs> to get wild. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was a pleasure <laughs> meeting you. We'll have to stay in touch. Now yes, we know absolutely. we have like the same circle. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, could, I mean, I could talk about this stuff all day. We can Let's just do chat, it. you know, well, fun. we'd make good friends. Cause I love to listen. So that would right? be awesome. Yeah, right. I hope you have I'll a fantastic you. day and thank we will see you later. Okay. Yeah. Thank all you. right. Bye-bye. Okay guys, if you're in the market to buy or sell, I have the perfect company for you. Clark and co realty is located in the Benton Bryant, Arkansas area, but they're able to serve you no matter where you're located in the state. They've streamlined the process of buying or selling a home to make it so much easier. They have a team of industry experts that make sure you have access from anything you can think of. I'm talking from local home inspectors to painters to gardeners and so much more just to provide you with the best service possible. They're dedicated to providing the most up-to-date market data in the area. And I think the coolest part is if you go on their website, You can use their easy to use fast property search. You can even create a custom market report to see what's active, under contract, and sold in your neighborhood. Their team is made up of caring, knowledgeable professionals that work around the clock to help you with the process of buying and selling your home. So again, if you're in the market to buy or sell, Clark & Co Realty is definitely the company for you. Tell them Townsend sent you. Let's be honest. I think we could all use somebody to talk to every now and then. Healing Path Counseling in Conway, Arkansas is 100% my go-to when it comes to therapy. Wendy Blackwood has more credentials than letters in the alphabet. She's won awards for her outstanding services and has a whole page of board memberships. Basically, she knows what she's doing. She works hard to help equip you with the tools needed to live your best life. She even offers a variety of services including, but not limited to, cognitive behavioral therapy, technology-assisted counseling, relationship counseling, and EMDR. Trust me, I know therapy can be intimidating at first, but let me assure you, 
Wendy does her best to make you comfortable and find the best solutions and plans for you. Trust me, don't wait to make the call. Give Wendy Blackwood at Healing Path Counseling a call today. Get started on the best version of you.